Hey, thanks for joining us on the No Limits Church podcast. This is a place to get equipped to make a difference for the kingdom of God. So get ready to be empowered by this message. Well, in Acts chapter 10, um, we have the record of the first Gentile. And in case you don't know what a Gentile is, that's a non-Jew. We have the record of the first Gentile getting saved. And it's a miraculous encounter that starts with a man named Cornelius being visited by an angel. How many of y'all would like to be visited by an angel? So an angel visits him and he tells him to summon for Peter. Now this guy, Cornelius didn't even know Peter. He had no idea, but the angel told him exactly where to find Peter. How many of y'all want an angel telling other people where you are? I don't know about that, huh? That's not as exciting. So Cornelius sent a few men to go get Peter, and while they were on the way, Peter has an open vision, and through it, God revealed that it was his will to give salvation to the Gentiles. And you know, up until this point, Peter would have not even stepped in the home of a Gentile person, and he was under the impression that salvation was for the Jews only, and God was correcting him in this moment. So while Peter was pondering this vision, the Holy Spirit said this to him. He said, three men have come looking for you. Get up, go downstairs, and go with them without hesitation, because I have sent them. All right, so Peter goes and he shares the gospel with Cornelius. So I got a question for you. Why did the angel not just share the gospel with Cornelius? Why did there have to be this angel and then a vision and then the Holy Spirit speaking to get Peter involved? Because the assignment to spread the gospel is on mankind not angels, or the Holy Spirit. The message of salvation is on our shoulders, but get this, we have the angels and the Holy Spirit to help. Aren't you thankful? If you yield to the Holy Spirit, you're going to have miraculous encounters just like this. And when they happen, you need to be ready to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we're going to look at how Peter did that this morning. Turn to Acts chapter 10. We're going to start at verse 34. This is Peter sharing the gospel with Cornelius. So Peter said to him, I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism. <laughs> this, is, this is Peter convincing himself, all right, so this is for the Gentiles too, not just for the Jews. I, I see now that God has no favoritism. In every nation, he accepts those who fear him and do what is right. This is the message of good news for the people of Israel, <laughs> that there is peace with God through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. Notice how he started that. There is peace with God through Jesus Christ. Shoes of peace, right? When we go to share the gospel, it's got to start with sharing the peace that comes with it. You know what happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee, after John began preaching his message of baptism. And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we apostles are witnesses of all he did throughout Judea and Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a cross, but God raised him to life on the third day. Then God allowed him to appear, not to the general public, but to us whom God has chosen in advance to be his witnesses. God has chosen in advance to be his witnesses. We were those who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he ordered us to preach everywhere and to testify that Jesus is the one appointed by God to be the judge of all, the living and the dead. He is the one all the prophets testified about, saying that everyone who believes in him will have their sins forgiven through his name." how Peter shared the gospel. We're tempted to overcomplicate sharing the gospel, but you can really break this down into three things that Peter did. The first thing is he told him there is peace with God. 
through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. And I know this is true because I've witnessed it in my own life. And then you share your testimony. Peter began to share his testimony about walking with Jesus. You can do the same. And then the second thing he did was say that Jesus was put to death on a cross, but God raised him to life on the third day. And Jesus is appointed by God to be the judge of all, the living and the dead. He is the one the prophets testified about in the Bible. And the third thing he did is tell him that everyone who believes in Jesus will have their sins forgiven through his name. Simple. Simple, simple, simple. So as soon as Cornelius heard this from Peter, the Holy Spirit fell on all who were listening. They all began to speak in other tongues and praise God. Amazing. This is proof that you can get filled with the Holy Spirit as soon as you get saved. Y'all, there's no reason to wait. Amen. Now I want to highlight part of Peter's salvation message. Acts 10, 38. And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. So we've witnessed this over the past couple of weeks. Those oppressed by the devil have been getting healed. You can call it deliverance. You can call it casting out demons. But what's really happening is people are being cured of the devil's oppression. That's what's happening. The word healing in this verse is defined as to cure or to heal or to make whole. So that's what they mean by healing. And the word oppressed is defined as this, to exercise harsh control over one to exercise harsh control over one. So this verse is saying that Jesus puts an end to the harsh control of the devil and gives you wholeness in its place. Jesus drives out the things of the devil and makes you whole. Amen. Over the last two weeks, we witnessed the power of Jesus deliver people from sickness, anger, lust, grief, and there's more to come. How many of y'all are excited for what Jesus is doing? Because this is new for many of us, there's still teaching that needs to take place. We have to undo some wrong teaching, and we just have to lean into the Holy Spirit as he's teaching us how to do what Jesus did. And as I get a hold of what's unfolding here, there's two questions that are keeping me grounded through all this. And the first one is, why would you fight deliverance? Why would you fight deliverance? And the second one is, when is it not a good thing to be delivered? The enemy wants you to believe that a Christian cannot deal with demonic issues, and that allows the demons to stay in hiding. And if they do get delivered, it creates this wall between you and them, and you start asking questions like, well, were they even saved? So if you believe this lie, the devil wins either way. If they don't get delivered, they stay tormented by the devil. If they do get delivered, it puts a damper on unity in the church because you start to question who they are in Christ. I did an entire message on this last week. If you're still dealing with this problem, I hope what I just said like solved it for you. Why would we fight deliverance? When is it not a good thing to be delivered? And I know you would agree that a Christian should imitate Christ. Yeah? Isn't that what the word Christian means? We should respond as Jesus would respond. So here's another question for you. How would Jesus respond to somebody being delivered? Think about it. I think that he would rejoice that their suffering is over. He would tell them to go use their story to lead others into freedom. Speaking of, I would like maybe two or three of you to come share your story about, if you were delivered over the last two weeks and you want to come share what happened to you, I'd like two or three of you to come up here and, and share with the church. Come on up. The first three win. All right, there we go. They made it. Oh, 
I feel like you need to hold my hand. Um, so I, I felt like it was just part of my life. And you, when you were teaching, I was like, he's going through the same thing. You were going through the same thing I was. And it was tightness in my chest and it was anxiety. And it was a hereditary thing I was taught that my grandmother had passed on to my mom. And it was about, um, it was a breathing issue basically. And so one day I was walking in the hallway and I heard God say, well, I felt like the Holy Spirit said, why are you dealing with this? You need to let this go because it grips me and it made my heart. I don't think it was my heart. It was just, it grips my chest. Anyway, off of that. So I was like, okay, I need to be delivered from this. I'm healed from it. I, you know, I'm redeemed from the curse of the laws, what I kept saying over it. So I always shake when I'm up here. <laughs> so I actually, Jamie, I'll, there you are. I actually, when you were preaching, I pictured Jamie laying her hand on my chest like you slapped it. And you said, be gone or get, get out of there. And I, when you did that, I just felt the freedom go and I could start breathing. And I felt whole and complete again. And now I'm like, the enemy is defeated. I'm going to share this. And if I got delivered, you can be delivered too. It Amen. is awesome. And it's freedom. Amen. Freedom is all I can say. Freedom. Okay. Sorry for shaking. I do that a lot. I'm going to shake too, so it's okay. okay. <laughs> Okay, so last week um, we were in the overflow room, and I was praying when you called everybody up, and I just kept feeling in my spirit, like, you need to go up there, and I'm going, God, like, I don't feel like I really have anything, but, and he's like, you need to go up, and I'm like, okay, I mean, I'm going to go, so I did, and as soon as I got up here, so I've dealt with, um, like, pain in my tailbone for probably three or four years, and I've prayed over it, and why in that moment I didn't think, like, hey, this is something that might be going on. Um, but I got up here, and as soon as I did, I could feel, like, pulling from the bottom of my spine. And I went, oh, that's why I'm here. Okay, thanks, God. <laughs> and so I started praying over it. And the more I prayed and the more I prayed, the tighter that pull got. And Anthony, as soon as you laid hands on me, it was gone. And it is, it was, like, I mean, I almost doubled over because, like, the, the pain was just, it was, it was there because, like, all of those muscles around my tailbone have been so tight for so long. And so for the first couple of days after that, it was a little sore, but that ball that was at the bottom of my tailbone is gone. Um, so I was able to sit in class. I'm going to school to be a counselor, which the fact that it was on my tailbone like, it was directly affecting the call that God has on my life. Um, and so I was able to sit in class this weekend for the first time, and my tailbone didn't hurt. I can sit straight in my chair at church. Like, today I sat down like I normally do, and I was like, wait, I don't have to sit like that. Like, so it is, it's amazing. So thank you. But, yeah. So this is going to be interesting because I got delivered twice from two different things that are related. So um, when we first had, when we had this first happen two weeks ago, I didn't come up because I thought I was already saved from my problem. Um, and the entire time, God's like, you need to go, you need to go, you need to go. Um, and then at the end of service, I came up and... Uh, <laughs> He's sitting back there, and I can't even look at him anymore. So um, I told him, I, wow. 
So I told him I was having issues with um, lust and pornography, and it has been affecting my life and my marriage for the last 25 years. I'm 34. For you parents, it starts early. Um, the devil's trying to get at your kids early. Um, I got delivered from the lust that day. And then that whole week, first of all, when you get delivered, you find that you have this void that has to be filled and you fill it with the word of God. And when you do, God's going to point things out to you that confirms not only that you are delivered from that, but why you were delivered from it. Um, and then the, this last week, that was my wife that you guys just heard. And when she came up here, I got told by God, you need to go too. I'm like, I have already done this. Why am I coming back up here? Anthony, it's because of you. So Anthony spoke over my wife that there was something going on in our home that needed to be fixed and that it was going to be fixed that day. And Anthony said, I have no idea what it is, but it's going to be fixed today. And I'm thinking to myself, I don't know what this is. We get in the car and we're on our way home. And I asked her, I'm like, what do you, what, what is, what's supposed to be fixed at our home? Thinking it's got to be something random, right? She's like, God's going to tell you. And I'm like, <laughs> in that moment, I knew exactly what it was. I've been a gamer for about as long as I have been in pornography. I've been playing video games for 25 plus years. That evening, we had a very long conversation and then the following morning, I unhooked the game system for the first time in five years-ish. It is now boxed up, and if anybody wants it, you're welcome to it. Um, because, I won't, because I won't allow that to be a gateway for the devil to get into my family. Because as a father, I've got a two-year-old daughter that I've got to think about. It's not about me. It's about her. It's about God. <laughs> Amen. So the next step in this journey is for us to fully understand our authority in Christ. Um, if I had to put a percentage on it, I would say most of us are probably living in about 20% of our authority. But it's time to go all in. So the Holy Spirit revealed to me that this is what I'd be preaching on today, last Monday. And it started as a question. He asked me this. He said, how did Jesus live free from sickness and oppression from the devil? And I tried to keep my answer to myself, but God knows everything. Because I thought, well, duh, he's Jesus, the Son of God. And the Holy Spirit swiftly corrected me, even though I didn't even say that out loud. He knew what I was thinking. And he said this, because he knew his authority. Simple, because he knew his authority. And then I had a vision of Jesus walking around back in the day with this force field around him. Sickness tried to get into his body when he was walking on the earth, but it couldn't. 
The devil sent all kinds of attacks, but they couldn't penetrate the force field. And the force field of the vision represented authority. Jesus knew his authority, and he walked in it. Therefore, he was completely protected from every attack of the enemy. And you might be asking, well, what happened when they killed him? How, how did they kill him? Well, when you study that out, you find out that Jesus is the one who decided when it was time for him to be sacrificed. Because many attempts were made leading up to the point where it actually happened. But it didn't happen because he had that protective he knew his authority. He said, I will make this decision when it's time. So let's find out if this same authority is available to us. So this is, I'm going to take you to the point where Jesus, he, he was raised from the dead, but this is before he ascended into heaven. We're in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. So Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. How much authority? How much authority? Jesus is the King of Kings. Where does this authority work? In heaven and on earth. We could say it this way, in the spiritual realm and in the physical realm. Some translations say power instead of authority. Maybe that's what your Bible says. So whenever I see that, when, when different translations are in a fight over what word to use, it always triggers me to go, well, what does this word actually mean? And as with most words in this original language, it's rich in meaning. The word's exousia, if that's how you say it. I don't know because I'm not Greek. <laughs> but here's what it means. Privilege, competency, freedom, mastery, delegated influence, authority, jurisdiction, power, strength. Jesus has it all. He knows it all. He's mastered everything. He's bound by nothing. His strength is endless and his power is unmatched. That's what it's saying. Can you see why the modern representation of Jesus as this super nice guy who tolerates everything is so dangerous? It's a counterfeit Jesus. People are believing in a fake Jesus and they will go to hell unless they meet the real Jesus. Let it sink in because it's true. The real Jesus is a boss. God has given him all authority in heaven and on earth. His power is unmatched. He knows everything. All things are under his jurisdiction. That is Jesus. Jesus is the savior of mankind, and he's the warrior of righteousness, for righteousness. He forgives sins for those who believe in him, and he will judge the sins of those who don't. He is the prince of peace for those who believe, and he is a sword for those that don't believe. When Jesus came 2,000 years ago, he came as a savior. When he comes back, he's coming as a warrior to destroy the works of the devil, his cohorts, and all who follow the devil instead of him. He will destroy them with the breath of his mouth. Are you getting a more accurate representation of Jesus in your head now? If you picture him as this tolerant Jesus, you will not be able to understand his authority. You won't get it. Jesus Christ is full of grace and he's full of truth. He forgives sins and he also commands you to live a godly life. He rescues you from destruction and he empowers you to do everything that he asks you to do. Jesus has it all. He knows it all. He's mastered everything. He's bound by nothing. His strength is endless. His power is unmatched. That is Jesus. So let's go back to that scripture and keep reading this time. In a different translation this time, 
in the Christian Standard Bible now. Jesus came near and said to them, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. So now that Jesus has all authority in the physical realm and the spiritual realm, what are we supposed to be doing with it? Making disciples of the nations. Not making disciples in the nations, making disciples of the nations. The word baptizing means immersing them. We are to immerse the nations in the character of God, in the character of Jesus, and in the character of the Holy Spirit. Somehow we've dumbed this down to where most Christians think our assignment is to tolerate everything, stay out of government, take it easy in business, and camp out in our church buildings and wait for people to come to us. If you still believe that lie, just know you're following a false gospel. We are to be leading nations, immersing them in the character of God and teaching them to obey everything that God told them to do. So this word translated to nation can also be translated to tribe or people group. So that prophetic word spoken over our church perfectly lines up with what Jesus told us to do in this scripture. He has assigned us to this group of people, the city of Owasso, to disciple and immerse them in the character of God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. We are to be the leaders of this city. It seems like an overwhelming assignment, and that's why Jesus wraps up this command with this. And remember, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Good thing, huh? You know, I was overwhelmed by this assignment until I went to the city elders this past Thursday, and I was hearing about how they have the same vision for the city of Tulsa. Well, really, for the United States of America, they want a group of city elders in every county in America, which is like, what, 4,000 and something or counties. And I was like, wow, I can handle it, Wasso. Like, perspective changed totally. I was like, whew, he's only given me the city of Owasso. Like, I, I felt grateful in that moment. And he'll probably expand the vision from there because that's what God does. He's like, well, as soon as you get comfortable, poof, I'm going to expand the vision. I'm telling you, we're going to do this. We're going to make Owasso a safe haven until Jesus comes. So the one who has all authority is with us always. So this is no longer overwhelming because we have the one with endless strength who knows it all and has all authority. He's with us. He's on our side. Is there any place that Jesus can't access? Is there any problem that he can't solve? Is there any demonic power that can withstand the power of Jesus? No, 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 no. No to all those. We've been casting demons out of people the last two weeks, and we're going to keep doing it. But guess what? It's just a warm-up. It's just a warm-up. We're going to be casting demons out of the city. We're going to be making Owasso a safe haven until Jesus comes. We're pushing back on the powers of darkness and getting them out of our city. Glory to God. So how do we know that we can operate under the authority of Christ? <laughs> it sure does. His word says we can. Let's head to Luke 9. Luke chapter 9, verse 1. One day, Jesus called together his 12 disciples and gave them power and authority to cast out all demons, all demons, and to heal all diseases. Jesus doesn't just give you authority. He gives you miracle working power to go with it. These two things combined give you the ability to cast out all demons and to heal all diseases. Is there anything left out? Is there any disease that we can't handle here? Yeah. 
Notice how casting out demons is first on the list. Did y'all catch that? This is not the only time it's first on the list, yet it's been last on our list for ever since I can remember. Somebody explain that to me. Not anymore. It's no longer last on our list. If you don't like it, take it up with Jesus because he's the one who prioritized casting out demons. We're not going to ignore it anymore, as polarizing as it can be. So yes, Jesus gives you his authority, and it doesn't stop there, but he gives you miracle-working power to go right along with it. Call that the dynamic duo. How many of you all want power and authority? Let's keep reading into the next verse. It says, then he sent them out to tell everybody about the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. So he sent them out to tell everybody about what? Salvation? Forgiveness of sins? Joining a church? No, the kingdom of God. Jesus is not focused on building churches. Holy moly, that's going to hit somebody, right? He is focused on building the kingdom of God. And as soon as the church gets focused on what Jesus is focused on, it will explode in power and authority because we're connected with what he wants. Jesus doesn't want a bunch of churches. He wants cities. He wants states. He wants nations. Why? Because he's been given all authority. And everyone will bow to the king of kings. If they don't choose to do it on their own, they will do it on that last day. They will bow and then they'll go straight to hell. It is sickening that the church has created an image of a laid back, tolerant Jesus. Can it get more irreverent than that? Jesus is the king of kings. He's the high priest. He's the judge of all people. He's the one who decides where you will spend eternity, and it's based on one condition. Did you believe in him and confess him as Lord? We give our human leaders more honor and respect than we give the king of kings. We talk about Jesus like he's our buddy who gives us everything and never expects anything in return. No wonder there's been a lack of miracle working power in the American church because we've been clinging to this false representation of Jesus. And the only one who has power and authority is the real Jesus. That fake Jesus ain't got nothing but deception. I hope this message has corrected your vision so you can see Jesus as he really is. Yes, he's your savior. But in order for you to spend eternity with him, he has to be more than your savior. He has to be your Lord. Let me put it to you this way. There will be no one in heaven who refuses to submit to the authority of Christ here on the earth. No one. If you refuse to submit to the authority of Christ on the earth, we won't see you in heaven. Hmm. Salvation requires you to confess Jesus Christ as Lord. You must bow to the King of Kings. Let a holy reverence come over you now. Close your eyes for me. I want you to take a moment and repent if you need to. Submit yourself to the authority of Christ. And now that you're submitted to his authority, you have his authority. As soon as you submit to his authority, you have his authority. And he expects you to use that authority to cast out demons heal the sick, and advance the kingdom of God. Man, that was good, wasn't it? Help us get God's word out to everyone who needs it by partnering with us financially. 
Your generous giving is what enables us to make a difference for the kingdom of God. Visit nolimits.fyi to give securely online. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss a message. And thanks again for listening. Now let's go make a difference.